Thank you. This morning, our word from God that we will be hearing as we continue or begin our, our Sunday Lenten journey will come from Genesis chapter 22, if you'd like to open that up and uh, follow along with me in your own Bible. If you've got one of these whitish, bluish ones that you can pick up around here at, sit at Peace, uh, it's on page 16, if you'd like to follow along there. Let's uh, begin this morning and hear God's word with uh, a word of prayer. Gracious God, thank you for gathering us today, this day. Please keep me your servant from uh, standing in the way of your people hearing your word. And I ask that you would uh, come in power with your Holy Spirit, that we might know you and see you clearly. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I am so touched, moved by the many individuals as part of this congregation and then also in the, the local area that I know well who spend so much of their time and their energy and their effort to care for their aging parents and particularly care for their aging parents so that they can stay in their homes. I'm sure you know a number of individuals as well who, who will take weekends, maybe every other weekend or something like that, and drive over many miles so that they can help them get groceries, pay the bills, clean the house, all of that sacrifice made so that they can stay in their homes I'm really thankful, of course, uh, for the, uh, the many individuals who are willing to just give up anything, drop everything that they're doing in their life right now to help somebody else. They'll, they'll drop their, their, their family time. They'll drop their hobbies and their fun time. They might drop work even. They'll give a day off of work. Maybe they'll even drop church. Whether that's smart or not, I'm not sure. But they'll drop everything that they've got going on in life to help somebody else. Great sacrifice. Of course, I'm thankful for, for the moms, my wife, and the many other moms and the dads who, who give up countless nights of sleep to raise children. Incredible sacrifices. In fact, we are really good at sacrificing. In, back in 2012 or so, a man named Bert Simpson, I think it was, or oh, maybe it was Bert Solomon. No, I prefer Bert Simpson. Uh, he, not Bart Simpson, just Bert Simpson. He put, published an article about sacrifice, and he's, he wrote about the incredible sacrifices that many Americans make and how parents still sacrifice for their children. And he said, Americans donated nearly $300 billion to charity in 2011, which is 10 times more when you adjust for inflation than in 1970. Right, so if, if you were giving in 1970 and you thought you were generous then, what, what you need to know is that people who give to charity now, we give 10 times more even when adjusted for inflation. That's incredible, isn't it? What a sacrifice a lot of people are making. The thing is, is he went right on to say Americans aren't sacrificing enough. And you might disagree with the ways that he tells us to sacrifice, but he was looking at the aftermath of the 2008 Great Recession that we dealt with, and, and he said, whatever steps are necessary to restore the country will require money and incredible pain and time. Navigating the fiscal cliff, restraining the debt, controlling the spiraling costs of medica medical care and entitlements, restoring the crumbling infrastructure. None of it will be easy or cheap. We need to re-embrace sacrifice. And this was before a pandemic. And he put his finger even though I don't know if he knows it, he put his finger on the problem. At least I think he did. He wrote, Americans used to be good at hard tasks. The puritanism that animated the culture led them to risk their lives and everything for success. The puritanism. 
He says, Puritanism, it wasn't just the American work ethic that animated the culture, it was the, the Puritanism. It was their conviction that there really is a higher God, a higher being out there, and that changes what I do with my life. That enables me to sacrifice of time and energy and talents and money and everything else so that I can get something better when I come out the other side. And that's what Jesus wants for you and me this morning. See, I, I'm sure that all of us, I mean, parents, moms, don't sacrifice countless hours of sleep so that on Valentine's Day, one day of year, their, their husband can give them some little chocolates and say, thank you for all your work. No, they, they sacrifice countless hours of sleep so that after many years, they can look at a kid and say, that, you, an excellent son or daughter, are why I sacrificed thousands of hours of sleep. Right? No, 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 no parent or no adult with an aging parent sacrifices hundreds and thousands of hours of time and money driving to take care of their parents just so that someday they can get a little pat on the back and some money out of the will. They sacrifice all of that time so that their parents can die with gladness and joy and peace in their hearts in a place of comfort, and they can give them that comfort, right? It is for something higher, for something greater, something far better. And, and as we gain that, right, as we gain that greater good, we restore that to ourselves, we say then, sacrifice is actually more worth it. And today God wants to say, look, there's even a greater good, there's a great good beyond your imagination that will enable you to sacrifice. And we can get it here in Genesis chapter 22. Again, we're in Genesis 22 if you've got your own Bibles. And this is a roller coaster of an event. It's a roller coaster of a story. Uh, it's, it's infuriating, it's exhilarating, it's confusing, it's conflicting, it's somewhat depressing, and it's exciting all at the same time. And it, it has produced then, because of that, hundreds of hours of conversation amongst thinkers, Bible readers, for thousands of years, just thousands of years. Um, one thing that will absolutely strike you right away, right, well, let's just get into it. The gist of the story is that approximately 2000 BC, so 4,000 years ago, a man was selected uh, he lived someplace in the neighborhood, the area, you know, of Baghdad, and he was asked to go to a new region, a new country. He was told he would become a, a new people. The shocking thing about then the whole turn of events is that, well, one of the shock, I mean, there's so many things that surprisingly happened in his life, but he was never given this, this guidebook, you know, this rule book of here's how to become then this great nation. He just had promises that were proven to him through experiences. He had pro proven promises, and that made him into the, the man he was. And one of those promises was given to him in a son. That son showed up in this event. And this event then became a huge testing point and a turning point in this man's life, this man we call Abraham. I can imagine, and I think you can imagine, what a confusing experience that would have been for him. Let me just note with you some of the dramatic and, and confusing things about it. Uh, for one thing, it was a test, right? Sometime later, God tested Abraham, it starts off to say. And I think, I, I don't think it's much to say, I think almost all of us hate these kinds of tests. 
I don't mind tests that prove that I'm good at something in life. Right? I don't mind tests of, of my, my mathematical skills, which I usually fail. Uh, I don't mind tests of my, um, my ability to play apples to apples, which I definitely fail. For some reason, I'm terrible at that game, right? But I, I do mind tests that just want to prove my convictions, my character, if I really care. Uh, you know, one of the things that happens to me frequently, and it probably happens to you as well, is something will happen to somebody I know, some, some event, some occurrence, right? So maybe it's a tragedy, maybe it's a success or a blessing in their life. And sometimes I'll call them and, and I'll say, oh, I heard through the grapevine that you had XYZ happen. I'm so sorry to hear that. Or congratulations, you know, I'm so happy for you. And they'll say, well, and then I say, how come you didn't call me? I didn't want to bother you, you know, just didn't want to trouble you. Okay, fine. But sometimes they say, well, you know, I just wanted to kind of find out if people cared. I didn't want to tell everybody. Or I didn't want to make a big deal of it. I, I, I wanted to see if people, it would matter. And I, I mean, well, nobody can care for you if you just keep it to yourself and, and you turn it into some kind of a test of whether or not we care. What kind of a... Right, that happens. And, and, and that's, that's, you know, so that's the first infuriating thing of this story. God has already proved, seen so many times in Abraham his character, but it's still a test. Next thing in this story that, that is so difficult is God tells Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. It seems like child sacrifice. That's a hard pill to swallow. Now that's something that needs to get addressed personally and in you know, kind of a Bible class sort of, of setting. This is not the right place to address whether or not this is child sacrifice. The first thing to, to note is that uh, it's not murder. God doesn't say, go murder your son. God says, offer him as a burnt sacrifice. And we, we recognize very quickly that there is a distinction between kinds of killing. If I break into your house to steal things or to harm you, and you shoot me, that's not murder, that's self-defense. It's exactly the same thing, though, as if you just shot me, right? But it's self-defense in that case. And in the same way, this context is different. What's the context here? It's sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. Offer him as a burnt offering. And that's a, a complicated or a complex uh, meaning in the ancient world. That's something to explain at some other time, but you just have to kind of chalk it up, put it in your mind and say, this is not the same as child sacrifice. But I don't think that is any, that's by far not the most infuriating thing in this story. What's the most infuriating thing in this story is, is how the whole story goes. You get to the end of the story and it says, I swear by myself that because you have done this and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Now, I don't know about you, but I hear, read that, and I hear that, and I start thinking about that, and I say, you know what that sounds like to myself? That sounds to me like God is saying, if you obey me perfectly, and if you follow all the rules, if you do all the right thing every time, then I will bless you. Now, I suspect some of you hear that, and you say, well, yeah, you're right. Isn't that the way it goes in life? I mean, isn't that the rule of life? If you obey God, then he will bless you. If you obey God, then you get to go to heaven. If you obey God, then he will forgive you. If you obey God, 
then you will get family or you will get children or you will get a spouse or you will get a job, you know, whatever. Right? Isn't that the rule of life, many of us say? I would say, well, that's, that's the rule of, of religions in general, isn't it? That's the rule of, of religions in, in the broad sense. Islam, Mormonism, Judaism, Jehovah's Witnesses, even Buddhism. You can go through all the different varieties of it. That's the rule. But isn't that infuriating? Isn't that, it, what, I mean, the first way it's infuriating is, what if I'm a person who says, I want to be able to do whatever I want and get my blessings? Why does it have to be God's way? Can't the rule of life be, if you do whatever you want and you, be success, and, and you experience you know, your pleasure, your own delight, then you'll be blessed. Why can't rule in life be that way? Why does it have to be, if you obey God, then you'll be blessed? Because I can sure tell you, I usually enjoy what I want to do. I don't usually enjoy what other people tell me to do. I always enjoy what I want to do, though. Why can't the rule of life be, if you do whatever you want, then you will be blessed? And so this, this is so infuriating, isn't it, for so many people. For so many of us, we wish it didn't say this. But it does. There's a, 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 my family's been living a little example lately. Some of you are going to guess right away what's going on, but... There's a, uh, a very strong desire in my family right now to obtain Nerf guns. Really passionate. And uh, there's a, a, an indebtedness in our family as well. The, the individual in question owes a debt. And so the rule is, you can't have a Nerf gun until you pay off your debt. Right? It, it's... If you can't pay what you owe, then, or if you, maybe it's turned the other way, if you can pay what you owe, then you can get what you want. Or to put it in other ways, if you can follow this rule and pay off the debt, then you can finally have the blessing and the good thing that you want. Kind of a, a very interesting parallel. Now, you can imagine what's happened then in our household. There's been all kinds of conniving and manipulation and deceit and trickery and, and every other gimmick under the sun that has been offered in order to break that rule and get Nerf guns. Do you think I can stand firm? I don't know. Marie's pretty cute, isn't she? No. There is only one exemption that's been given that rule. And, and you can see it in this lesson. I think it's the same thing. The solution in this story is not, is not that to remake the rule. The rule hasn't gone away. The rule is still if you obey God perfectly, then he will bless you. But, but look what God himself says, or what Abraham says about God. Abraham is walking up the mountain, right? He's walking up the mountain, and Isaac says, where is this lamb that we're going to get? Because we know we have to pay a debt. We know we have to offer an offering. We have to make a sacrifice. And instead, he says, God himself will provide the lamb. I, it strikes me every time, I think, here's Abraham walking up the mountain, and his son says, where are we going to get this sacrifice? And I would, have, I would have come up with some way to say, well, I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We can do this together. I'll come up with a plan. Instead, he says, God himself will provide the sacrifice. And so Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. On that day, on that mountain, it said that the Lord, him, 
on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Well, you know what that means? What does that mean? It means that the whole time Abraham never said, I'll take care of it, I'll solve the problem, I'll get the debt paid off, I'll fix it, and I'll make the sacrifice myself. He says, God will do it. He says, God will do it. And it means this, it means that Calvary was already there on Mount Moriah. In fact, you know that it actually is. Mount Moriah, we're told in Second Chronicles, is the mountain that is where Jerusalem is eventually built. Solomon eventually builds the temple someplace on the mountain range that is Moriah, and Jesus is eventually sacrificed someplace on the mountain range that is Moriah. It means that Jesus is put to death as the true and final lamb on almost the same mountain that Isaac was sacrificed on. But Jesus actually died. And Jesus says, kind of like Isaac, right, what about me? God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me on this mountain? And, and God, instead of saying like Abraham, God will provide, he says, nothing. He pays with his silence. He leaves his son there on that mountain. Also that he could really provide. And we too, we can learn to say that it will be provided. In fact, the Apostle Paul put it this way. He says, if God himself gave up his own son, then how could he not along with him graciously give us all things? What's the one rule that I gave to my kids that uh, the one exception I said, I should say, that I gave to my kids to, to get Nerf guns, I said, if you ask for it for your birthday and grandpa or grandma or somebody else chooses it to give, to give it to you, out of their pure grace, their pure generosity, then you can have it. This, right? This is, this is your birthday. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Where does all of the blessing and the good things come from? It comes out of the fact that God has chosen not to break the rule, if you obey me, then you will get good things. It comes out of the rule that God himself said, I will keep the rule for you. I will fill the rule in your place so that you can have good things. And let's then you and I learn to say, the Lord will provide. That's the, the point of this lesson, isn't it? That the Lord will provide and you and I, I made even a little card if you want to take it home and put it up on your refrigerator or something like that. Put it in your Bible. I always like the cute little cards that remind me of these things. You and I, we can take this and say to ourselves, the Lord will provide. Because I don't know, I think in the next couple months we're hopefully going to come out of this pandemic, right? In some form or another. And there's going to be a lot of sacrifices that are required. Perhaps not so much a sacrifice of food or, or of time or of energy or money, although that might be necessary. And thank God that he will provide those things. More of sacrifices of our forgiveness and our own pride. The, the sacrifice of our own self-righteousness and, and instead recognizing the Lord's righteousness, the sacrifice of a sense of, of identity and accepting what God has to us, belonging, all of those things that we get only from God. And, and let me just give you this one example. I can tell you that I'm, I'm kind of, you know, annoyed about people who haven't been in, been in church for a year, right? That's, that's something that kind of sits in my head. Am I willing to sacrifice my own frustration 
to then accept them back and to see them in the eyes of the Lord, to pass on a, a gift of forgiveness and righteousness, not in my own name, but because of God. Isn't that just one place where God has asked us to sacrifice and then hopefully then God in return we can receive even more good things. Let's learn to say the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide as we sacrifice. Let's pray for that. Lord, there are many ways in which we do not want to have to give up our rightness or, or our, our certainty or any other convictions that we have in life. Let us instead learn to say on the mountain, the Lord provided. He already provided it. And, and to the extent that we can learn to say in our lives, the Lord will provide, we will see even greater gifts, greater blessings come out of that. We pray for this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.